I'm Frederick Gerton, and I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha. I'm the advocate. Good morning. I guess it's morning over in, in Ottawa, Canada, because it's not morning here. So then it's it should a big be. blue sky morning in Ottawa. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. And I heard it's also garbage day. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. Garbage day. It's a hellish day. I walk my dog, Bean, yeah. and all he wants to do is sniff and smell around everything, pee and shit, basically. So that's how you started your morning. That's how I started my morning. Garbage day. But Bean is a nice guy because he's also he's in the credits of Push the Film because he actually has a small role in the film. A, a small but starring role, I'd say. Not many dogs <laughs> have, have credits in films, so it's like a star dog. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This week we're going to talk about, you know, this like scary thing that... It feels like it's almost like a war against young people. It's the yeah. young people are under so much pressure for a place to live. You know, Absolutely. it's almost impossible to leave home and to move out because it's so expensive. You know, students' homes, you know, it's a thriving business, but it's also like a war. But anyway, let's start with a little quiz because we've been talking a lot about Oatly. And Blackstone. And actually, Blackstone, this big private equity firm, is much more interesting than Oatly. But the, their investment in Oatly became kind of a symbol for something that is going on on our planet. But, but can you see the link between Oatly and students? I do know the link between Oatly and students. Mm. Uh, Oatly is about... Sustainability and students have started movements around the world for a sustainable environment. How yeah, and there are a lot of people are vegan also, so they love the lovely, yeah. love the Oatly product. But it's also then we have Blackstone, and what is Blackstone then doing outside of going into buying into Oatly? Do you know? Well, I I actually do know what Blackstone has been up to quite recently. They're buying student housing oh. in a big way, in the UK in particular, isn't it? Yeah, so they were buying into this IQ, IQ student housing portfolio and actually bought it from Goldman Sachs, some other nice guys, right. for £4.7 billion, pounds, like a small little oh shopping round. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so <laughs> it's good, you young people out there, you are great business. And I saw in... In a Toronto newspaper that, you know, you should really, it's good to have property close to universities. Why? Because you can always rent them out in students. But then you would say students have no money. They don't. But if their parents sign on to the papers, then the rent is secured. It's always a good business. So be That's proud, right. young people. You are good business. Mm. So, what do we, I mean, you've been looking into a little bit about uh, the student homes this week. Uh, mm. You've been Googling around and I've checking out your, all, your, all your, your connections. What do yeah. you see? What do you see? Well, I mean, it does, I have to say, it makes me sad and it enrages me. Because, you know, if you think, of, of course, we all think of young people as 
you know, there's so much potential. They're looking forward. They've decided to go to university. That's a big deal. They're thinking about their future. And then to think that they go and they just get so heavily indebted because, of course, tuition is expensive. But what I've learned actually through my Googling is that what really sets them back is the cost of housing while they're going to university. So I feel like just as they're trying to start out, they're being hit down, you know, hit down with these heavy costs and, and debt. And of course, it touches me personally, I have a teenage daughter she's in her final year of high school Cleo and she wants to go off we live in Ottawa she wants to go off to Toronto biggest city in Canada one of the most expensive real estate markets in the world and how is she how are we going to afford to house her while she's at university or whatever she decides to do in Toronto so what is what are you thinking tough (laughs) I'm crying. (laughs) (laughs) I better get a different job that pays a lot better. Um, No, I mean, where she what she wants to do, actually, she wants to go to acting school. And so that's a private university. So that's really expensive to begin with. And they don't have a residence like a student housing residence. So we'll have to find her private market accommodation. And honestly, Frederick, I was looking to see if it's cheaper to buy than it is to rent. It isn't. That's crazy. It isn't. It's not. One of the reasons, one of the, you know, the things that made me go into researching what became PUSH was actually when my own daughter moved to London, mm-hmm. also to study theater. <laughs> and she was staying with, uh, she found on, on the internet, you know, two mm-hmm. Swedish girls who had an apartment and she moved in with them. Okay. And they all wanted to save some money. It was really far out. It was like not close to any railway station. So that because of that, it was a little bit cheaper. And and one of the girls was working nights. So she was sleeping in the kitchen so they oh. could save some extra money. <laughs> wow. Then one day, my daughter calls me crying. Mm. And there, the landlord is in the apartment, has opened with it a different key and oh and tells her to get out, pack your things, get out. So she had to do that, you know, while, while he was, and he kicked her out into the street. Crazy. She couldn't even bring her stuff. And of course, me as a dad, you know, what, what I do, you know, so I posted <laughs> on Facebook, friends, anyone in London, yeah. my daughter is in the, on the street. Oh my God. Anybody can help out. So, but I, I actually got a lot of reactions. Right. Uh, not also people helping out, so she actually got a place to sleep, but also a lot of other stories about how young people are treated in mm. in, in 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 big cities. I mean, in cities all, all over the place. But uh, but and I also got in contact with with, uh, with 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 legal people who could help out because it's like this is sure. like a big thing. And of course, uh, the landlord here in the, in London. He wanted, of course, to kick out all three girls to get the the deposition, you know, to uh, to rob them from the deposition uh, because right. normally they will ask for like six months, which is still a lot of money. Uh, the deposit, you mean, like what they yeah. put down when they first moved in? Wow. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so terrible. But there's, I mean, really, there's so many terrible stories out there. I mean, everywhere I travel and have traveled when I was rapporteur, I always like to talk to young people. Um, 
and the stories are are terrible. I was I remember being in uh, Ireland, and I was exhausted. I got to my hotel, found out that my hotel was actually on top of a discotheque, <laughs> and I was trying to figure out how the hell I was going to stay there. And so I sort of flopped down in a chair. There was like a bar there, so I just flopped down in this chair. And this really nice server came up to me, and she said, "You look beat." you know, do you want something to drink? And I said, oh, I'd love a glass of Sauvignon Blanc. So she brings me this glass and we struck up a conversation. Well, so she's in, this is in Dublin and she told me she had come from somewhere in Latin America. I can't remember which country. I think it might have been Brazil. And she had come actually to learn English and then to study business. That's what she wanted to do. And she was living in a house with 11 other students a very big house no I think it was three bedrooms <laughs> oh my god and yeah three bedrooms I think there was one bathroom 11 people and they were all paying a huge amount so I mean the landlord was making a killing mm. and the, the, she said she couldn't find anything else you know that was available I then and then she some... had to work extra to be able to pay that extortionate uh, rent exactly. also. And she's paying yeah. tuition for this university program that she was enrolled in. I mean, she was really feeling completely squeezed. Mm. Um, I looked up some info about Ireland trying to figure out, well, like, what the heck? Why are 11? Why is this? And I mean, if you know anything about Ireland, you know that they have one of the most financialized housing systems in the world, especially since the global financial crisis. Is there and a special private equity fund involved in, on Ireland? <laughs> well, you know what's so interesting? Yes, Blackstone is involved, but there are many others. But Blackstone and is the biggest one, the biggest landlord on Ireland, I guess. That's since, right. I, th since I think the, that's right. Since the, the, the financial crisis, yeah. Yeah. But also, as I understand it, about a third of every building that's built or unit that's built uh uh, only one third, sorry, of all units that are built actually go to market. The others are investor owned, not on the market. So in one year, 21,000 units built, 8,000 approximately would be on market. The rest not available. So then you have 11 people living, young people living in a house together. There are empty homes and then you have other homes totally exactly. jam-packed with people. Exactly, exactly. But you know, even when I went to Nigeria, this was I was actually shocked by this because I didn't expect it for some reason. That's my own bias, maybe. But I was in Lagos, and I met with some young people and they were telling me that they had moved from smaller cities in Nigeria to Lagos to go to university. And it was the same thing. They were living packed like sardines in uh, places and there are many vacant homes in Lagos. So crazy. And paying a lot of rent in Lagos, you know, so poor young people. But it's it's a totally a global story because we hear we hear the same stories from everywhere. You remember we were in Korea when we were you were on mission, we were filming for Push. We went out to a student who was living like almost two hours away from town. And she had before lived very close to the university, but then she got evicted and now she was living far out. And and the home was so tiny, so she she yeah. could like, uh, you know, be in her bed and uh, put her hand Reach into her the washing machine. Yeah, yeah it right. was like it was it was totally crazy. It was crazy, so small. We couldn't enter. We tried to. Yeah. It's not in the film, but we filmed there, and but it was we could. It, it, 
we, we couldn't enter everyone, you know, the teams. Mm -hmm. We have to stay out, wait outside. It was like, yeah. so this is happening everywhere. And it's in, in Stockholm, uh, the Swedish Tenant Union, uh, mm -hmm. They are called Hyresgästföreningen, just so you know. Can you say that? Hyresgästföreningen. No, say it again. Okay, I'm not going to try. Okay, so <laughs> the Swedish Tenant <laughs> Union. All of you can go back to the, and do it at home. That's right. Uh, but they are publishing a story today or these days about, you know, 67,000 young people in Stockholm who are looking for a place to live and they still have to stay with their parents. So they can't go anywhere. It's, it's too expensive everywhere. And so they have now a, like a social media campaign where people can compare, you know, stories. So the stories is like, I moved seven times in nine months. Nine months. You know, it's God. like people have been moving so many times and sleeping on people's couches. And they move. so they get kicked out constantly because they're in like second, third, fourth hand of, of re, uh, you know, renting from people. Crazy, so it's, crazy. And and it's also, people are, this is something I've seen from many places, mm -hmm. you know, uh, when especially women ask, you know, look for a place to live. Mm. They, get, they say, well, you can actually come and stay with us. Are you into a threesome? God. Or could you maybe walk naked 50% of the time? You will get oh rent for God. free. I've seen that from Toronto, that story. Yes. Uh, but it's, I've seen, a, there's an, Amazing journalist uh, in Scotland who's been doing also a lot of stories about this. Sexual sexual exploitation for rent. I mean, sex for rent. Sex for rent. Sex for rent. Terrible. It sounds like a funny story because it's so bizarre, but mm. can you imagine even you're so desperately looking for a place to live and yes. then people will put that up? It's horrible. It's so horrible. I mean, I, oh, I mean, the stories actually abound. Now you got me thinking about all the stories. Like California, no, everyone knows, has a homelessness problem, big one. And I've been to California a few times, and uh, both times heard about, I actually didn't meet any students, but heard that students are applying for university, they're getting in, but then they have enough money for the tuition, but not for rent, because, of course, in California, rent is crazy. So mm. they're wanting to sleep in their cars <laughs> while going to university. I mean, imagine. And then it's illegal to sleep in your car on a public road. So you get ticketed. So there's someone was trying to pass legislation to give students the right to sleep in their cars. That's nice. To go to university. Where have we come, Frederick? Oh, my God. The right to sleep in your car. That's, I mean, you are a lawyer. Isn't that a good legislation? <laughs> to have to, <laughs> you should be able to sleep in your car. Yeah. I actually saw in, in Hollywood Reporter a story about young actors, you know, going to L.A. to for auditions, for work, and they're also sleeping in their cars. Before, people could actually get a place to live. But the, yeah. but the rents has been shooting up over the last mm. five years in, in an extreme way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's probably why we're... If you look around the world, the, the rates of young people still living with their parents is like crazy compared to in the 90s, for example. I think in um, Ireland is one of the countries that's the worst in Europe, just like astronomically increasing the number of, you know, people between the ages of, I don't know, 20 and 35 or something like that, living still with their parents. The UK is the same. I mean, it's... 
So Leilani, you're you're the you're a global expert on on this. So, but the normal political song about this would be, well, we should build more. We should, you know, it's like you know, the, the, it's a yes. classical thing of uh, uh, we need to build more student homes and so on. Is that a solution? <laughs> um, well, m maybe, but not in the current conditions. Let's put it that way, because more student homes are being built, but they're being built and purchased by the global financial actors. As you mentioned, Blackstone moved in, bought IQ for billions of dollars. And there are other big actors. There's one in the States called Grey Star. It's funny how they have these names, Blackstone, Grey Star, anyway. Black Rock. Yeah. Black Rock. Like, what is that? And <laughs> what is that? That's uh, the, how create the creative minds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's so impoverished, isn't it? Anyway, uh, so, you know, they are building and purchasing. They call it um, purpose-built student accommodation um, so there these big investors are themselves building as I understand it student housing but it is expensive it's and yeah. it's actually quite luxury I looked at um, the rates the monthly rates in one city in the states I can't remember where but it was like 2,500 bucks or 2,200 bucks a month that's just for the accommodation. And think about the tuition. Tuition in the U.S. is very expensive. So, and that's U.S. dollars. In Sweden, it's different because universities are for free. Mm. So the, for the family, uh -huh. it's not that big of a stress if your kid wants to go to university. And there, there are student loans. It, I mean, the, it's, it's hard to survive. But I can see now that the student loans are not fitting into the cost, the real cost of, of, of living for people. So it's, right. it's, it's extremely expensive. Also, student homes are very, very expensive right. also here. But how does it work in Sweden? Does the, when, uh, when does the student have to start paying back the loan or how does it work? When you start to work, you have to start to pay back. Right. And so your wages get garnished, like it gets taken off your wages or you pay actively? No, you have to pay. And you if you don't, pay. they will come after you. And they are right. like, they are fierce. And, and is it increasing, like the student debt load on Swedish students? Is, has that increased? Yeah, it's, and it's, yeah. it's very tough. It's, it's extremely expensive. But still, we don't have to pay the tuition, you know. Right. So you can imagine, yeah. I mean, uh, so here at least a working class person or an immigrant uh, kid can still get into university. But then the next step, you know, to be able to live on, on a decent place. Yeah. And of course, if you don't have all the money, you also have to work at the same time. Exactly. And this is what you see that, that students are fighting so hard to make, to get through their studies, but also to, to work on this part to be able to, to make it it's it's not fair because then the rich kids can just fly by and you know remember we were we were in sheffield in in england uh, oh, yeah. where we had a U uk premiere of uh, of push at the amazing sheffield dog fest mm -hmm. i've been coming there for several years but suddenly people told me that it was something a totally new thing it's called luxury student studios. Oh, right, right. So, and and then these universities, they to be able to survive, they try to get in foreign students that pay more. Yeah. Tuition. Yeah. And then these wealthy kids 
uh, were kicking out other kids, you know. So right. suddenly it was impossible to, to get a student home close to the university. So yeah. if you don't have the money, you'll have to be on the bus, you know? you know. When you think about the repercussions of that, I read a story, I think it was in the New York Times, about that exact scenario where universities are creating these luxury accommodations and like luxury like crazy like I read about one where they had do you know what a lazy river is no it's like a swimming pool so a lazy river is like a swimming pool where you can just sit and it pushes you along like you're in a river okay it's like deluxe kind of swimming pool right so Mm. they're putting these in student residences they have like all these like fancy cafes in them and all of this sort of stuff that then is expensive student housing and it means it would in this case that the they featured one young woman she ended up doing exactly as you said she had to move to the suburbs uh, far away from the university and the uh Transportation was crappy. It was making her spend way more time just getting to school and getting back home. I think she did have a job, but it was far away. I mean, all of what you're saying was her reality. And then the story ended up concluding that it's creating a divide between wealthy and poor or less affluent students, but also affecting their grades. There was actually a story in the Bloomberg saying exactly this. And there is a Uh, Bloomberg, uh, yeah, a guy from New York University, Thomas Laidley, says that this rise of luxury student housing can have a perverse and unintended consequence. So you, you force the less wealthy students farther away. And yeah. this is like would hurt their grades. That's what you exactly what you said. So it's it's also dividing. You know, before the universities were yeah. like a, a melting pot of people, but exactly. suddenly the wealthy kids are close to university, and and the rest are really far away. Our our world is not getting fairer and juster. Exactly. And and I think this is something we all need to talk more about. And all you young people out mm-hmm. there, I really. I really understand if you're angry and and uh, and pissed off, and and I think one thing we should all think about is to start to monitor who is owning the student homes in your town around your university, and to try to to map all this, and then communicate the, the mapping you've made. So it's because this is, has been changing in, in a short time, and sometimes we don't discover the changes because it's. It's from day to day a concentration of ownership. So before there was much more of these mom and pops, you know, smaller accommodations and so on. Not always amazing, you know, not always nice people, but it, you know, but it was like smaller, smaller businesses. Now it's, is this kind of global actors coming in? And then you say there's a lot of, this is like real estate investment trusts. Or also go. So tell me about oh, them. Yes. What are they doing, yeah. and who are they? Yeah. So I've only done like limited research on this, but I did try to figure out like, who is owning all this student housing. Like who who are these gray stars, and mm. and the way they seem to do. Every student housing deal is through these things called real estate investment trusts, which you and I have talked about before. And we're, I think we're going to constantly be learning about these things because it is a, is a complicated financial instrument. But basically, 
It is a financial instrument. It's a way to uh, group a whole lot of housing units into one financial instrument. And then you make you make the whole portfolio of units available to shareholders. And a couple of things about that. One thing I just learned yesterday was that to invest in a real estate investment trust, there's rules about who can invest. You basically have to be uber wealthy, making over, you know, several hundreds of thousands of dollars as an individual, like more than two hundred or three hundred thousand dollars, or you have to be a pension fund or another big institutional fund. So, real estate investment trusts are only available to the already wealthy. That's one, and two, there are really big tax advantages to real estate investment trusts. So basically, if you set one up, you're not paying tax. That's the shorthand of it. Yeah, but if you have a lot of money, why should you pay tax? Yeah, yeah. exactly. No one else does with a lot no, of money. No, the tax the tax is for us, you know. It's not for it's not for for people with a lot of money because how would that work? Then they will have to give away yeah. some of their wealth, you know. Yeah. Uh, then yeah, they exactly. they would be unhappy. And do we really want to live in a world with unhappy rich people? Come on. We want them to be happy. Well, and think think about the circle of it. Frederick, it's so amazing because if you think, I mean, one of the things universities and the investors are saying, universities say, especially the public universities, they are saying, we don't have enough money to build decent student housing. Mm. Well, why don't they have enough money? Because they don't have, there's not enough tax base to fund universities properly. And why is there not enough tax base? I mean, it's completely circular. So you mean the rich people are kind of, they are a part of that game? Looks like oh. it. Shit. <laughs> surprise, Shit. surprise. It's like, a, it's a complicated one. Because, you know, we're kind of brought up in, you know, in the sense of that everything is getting better and it's more equal mm. and everybody has almost the same opportunities. That's at least the story we have here in Sweden, that everybody has the same opportunity. But I can also see that it's also here, it goes in a very different direction and also here in sweden people all the rich people they they find ways to not pay taxes right and of course then they work a lot to lobby the politics to keep it that way the lobby yeah. investments they, they that's what they do with their money they 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 spend them on lobbies so they they can be safe with their yeah. with all their money what are they doing all the money is it just a game I don't know. What are they doing with all their money? I think there is a bit of a game element, isn't there? So crazy, yeah, yeah. sitting on all that yeah, money. It's, it's mm. some kind. You've taken us to a very dark place. Okay, Frederick. so <laughs> I'm sorry about that. But, you know, talking about mm. money, uh, Pushback Talks is, is produced without any money, which, of course, it's True. a very bad business, extremely bad business. And to be able to change that, we are we have um, a Patreon account, which means you can go to patreon.com and and look for pushback talks. There's also a link on you know on the BuzzFeed where the the, the web hotel the pod hotel, uh, and we are already up to five Patreons who together pay us twenty six dollars a month. So it, we're like we're actually doing fine, and mm -hmm. but we we asked some of the patrons uh, one 
friend, I don't know him, but he, he's a friend, Christopher Bell from Calgary in, in your country, Canada. Hmm. And he likes, he enjoys our, our conversation. He really liked that we brought in uh, hope that we had in one of our, oh, in good. One of our calls. I liked bringing so in hope too. Our ambition is to bring in more guests in the podcast and more voices. It's like, it's a little bit of a production thing that we are so tight in producing this. We don't really have time, but, but we are interested to get more voices. So just write to us and you can yeah. do that on pushback at wgfilm.se, pushback at wgfilm.se. And, you know, write stories to us and tell us what, where to go. It's, it, it helps. Uh, and we also have Catherine Webster from Denver, Colorado. And she's also, and of course, she's extremely preoccupied with the, of what's going on in, in the United States. Mm. Uh, she's in herself in the event industry. So you can imagine the oh, event okay. industry is like, I have a lot of friends also in the event, event industry here, so also funny. musicians. They, they're totally mm -hmm. out of work and it's like, it's, it's so Oof. tough. So you can imagine if you're sitting on a, uh, with a high rent and then you don't suddenly don't have any income. So it's a lot of people are, scary, are under stress right scary. now. But thank yeah. you, yeah. Catherine, for being a friend. And let's hope we can deliver stuff that will make you. Uh, yeah, I think I think I mean, it's there's a lot of depressing news, but I think we need to. There is hope in understanding. It's hope in be absolutely. There's hope in being, you know, creating a language to talk about what's going on. I mean, and, mm -hmm. and that's our ambition. Well, and I, I have to say, I feel this young people in student housing in particular is it's like I, I've been trying to trigger like it's and, and send out, you know, the warning flares because there isn't actually that much activism or pushback against what's happening to student accommodation and it needs to start. I actually, and this is a shout out to Our Hope, who appeared on Pushback Talks, uh, I'm hoping Our Hope will start a shift youth chapter oh. and start getting, yeah, she doesn't know this yet. <laughs> We just, my team just talked about it this morning. So this might be news to her, depends on when this airs, but Uh, yeah, we're excited to get her. She's an advocate uh, and she wants to be a housing advocate. So young, young people out there who want to, to push back. So please, please write to us and we will connect you with hope yeah. and, and the shift. Um, yeah. Because I, I think pushback is important. You know, remember in South Africa a few years ago, there was a huge um, student movement called the, the Fees Must Fall. You know, it's a, it's yes. a very, very strong movement that got like totally beaten up by the police. But, but mm. you know, because it was also a, about the right to education. Yeah, yeah. We had that here in Canada too. The Quebecois, the youth students in Quebec took to the streets on the same issue a few years back. And, and they're so strong. I mean... We need to harness their energy, yeah. And in Chile, in Chile, the the student movement has been ongoing for more than ten years to, for the right to education. And of course, also in Chile, they have the same challenges around the housing. Also, a lot of, yeah. 
wealthy people parking their money into houses that then stand empty and you know mm-hmm. and the rents are going up and it's hard for people to to you know be close to the universities and i mean you know in in push we listen to professor stieglitz he's talked about uh, that people you know entities like blackstone they're not really producing anything new they're actually mm-hmm. just you know taking out wealth and what students are doing they're actually studying to to do something that can make the world better you know to take we need universities we need young people to enter there to come out with knowledge and strength but for these financial actors they're only interested into you know sucking out uh, values kind of provocative yeah. i don't know it makes mm. me unhappy i think or it, angry. it makes me angry angry sorry yeah, it makes me angry <laughs> makes me angry but i think um there's a um a nice pushback moment for students to start actually talking to pension funds that are investing in the student housing because <laughs> by investing in the student housing the pension funds are actually potentially exacerbating inequality and that has a negative impact on the need for pension funds, how how healthy pension funds have to be. The, again, it's a circular thing. So, I think I, I I anyway I'm putting my my I'm gonna put my faith in in young people to rise up on this one because it's not sustainable. I mean, but I, I mean there could be kind of an alliance also with young people and older people because you know mm-hmm. uh, the small money I have in pension funds. I want that money to be used in a way so it makes this planet better. It makes it a better place for humanity. And um, I don't want my pension money to be be played around with Blackstone or other, you know. So I would like them to have a more of a long-term doing good investment. I don't care if if... If if you know the growth isn't that strong, I prefer to make less. You know, That's if it right. if yeah. I, if I can live in a better society where people are, well, are happier, you, it, it ends up it will be a zero sum game because your pension fund is going to if it's it, it might be nice and high when you get your pension, but it might end up paying off your kids' debt incurred because pension funds have invested in housing in a way that's made it more expensive so yeah i mean that's <laughs> you know this the the, the blackstone and and buying into oatly and oatly who built this brand in you know together with with baristas around the world you know suddenly this mm. this passionate coffee people their rents are going up because of the same model you know so it's like so if you if you work with people like Blackstone, they will only make your life more expensive. We have to, we need, I mean, the, the big question is, do we at all need private equity funds? No, is there, exactly. is there, an, is there another way of doing this? To, mm-hmm. Because 50% of all money on the world stock markets are pension money. So it, it's a lot mm-hmm. of energy and power in that. And that power should belong to the people who put the money into the pension funds. But now we are kind of out of control. I think it's, it's a little bit about getting the control back. Anyway, now it's time to leave. But um, tomorrow is another day and it will not be a garbage day. So you can, you can walk bean 
without Correct. without uh, all too much sniffing around. Mm. Tomorrow is an interesting day for in my in my life. I'm it's a Saturday, but I am doing a bit of work because I'm joining some folks in a Zoom in Oslo, Norway, because there is a member of parliament who's trying to change the constitution to include the right to housing. To include the right to wow. So I'm going to be in discussion with cool. them about and that. Push, so that is Push super cool. Push was just uh, on TV in on Norway. Uh, it was just the, sh- the shorter right. TV version. Uh, so right. if you are in Norway and want to see the full film, you should go to pushthefilm.com and then you can see the full film. It's actually 90 minutes and more. So it's so you can imagine you will have much more time with Leilani if you watch the full film and why shouldn't you? I mean, that's that's the best way to spend your time, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> so nice. You're so, so nice. <laughs> anyway, write to us and tell your friends about our podcast. Uh, subscribe, uh, rate it, um, post about our podcast because as we said, we have no money, so we need help. We, we don't have any marketing money. So we need your help. But it's a cool thing to be dependent on on real people. I think so. You're, you're the yeah. best sponsors. Yeah. So, and, and if you find the, um, the Patreon account, join us. It, it, we will be, that, it's kind of a, it's, it's sexy to be a patron for Pushback Talks. I agree. I agree. Bye-bye, Leilani. Take care. Ciao, Ciao. Frederick. Ciao.